When I was younger, I loved to watch two shows on reruns. Um, they were I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched. I don't know what it was about these two particular TV shows, but I loved them. The story of Bewitched was of a non-witch, a muggle, that's the term I know because I'm a Harry Potter fan, a muggle man and a witch. And they meet and they marry and he eventually finds out she's a witch and it's a story about how they navigate life together. But sometimes he thinks he's under a spell, right? And so I've, I've been thinking about that as I've been thinking about who has bewitched you? And I wondered, have I ever been bewitched? And I thought of neon and hair gel in the 1980s, and bell bottoms, and jazzercise with the leg warmers. And you know those jeans where the waistband is down in the hips from the 90s? These things that somehow we were convinced were good, good things, and we couldn't really understand why that was. But we were convinced that these things from my childhood were fashionable, good even. We were bewitched to believe that those neon colors look good on anybody. But now we see clearly. Then we saw dimly. Galatians was written only 20 years, we think, after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so they would have known about Christ. They may have even been at the um, crucifixion or the resurrection event. They may have been there, the people who are writing to, um, or the people who are in Galatia. And there have been some people from Jerusalem that have gone up to Galatia and have told them that in order to be followers of Jesus, they must follow the law of Moses. And Paul sees this idea that you must follow the law of Moses as a perversion of the gospel, as a perversion of everything that Jesus has taught, that the gospel of Jesus is freedom in its purest form. So Paul asks the question here at the very beginning of the third chapter of Galatians, who has bewitched you? Weren't you there? Didn't you see? And this question, who has bewitched you, has been played around in my head. And I couldn't help but think that here in our current world, we ask that same question of people. In fact, this question has drawn lines in the sand or perhaps dug deep ditches that are insurmountable. But we don't say, who has bewitched you? We say, what fake news are you listening to? Or, you've received some misinformation. Or, well, that's not a theory, that's a conspiracy theory. Or, this is my favorite one because it's more insidious. You know, more is better. All of these things to say, you are not following the right way. I just watched yesterday, um, I'm making my way through the Marvel series, and I watched um, Captain America Civil War last night. And it is all about how um, Captain America and Iron Man, that's it, Captain America and Iron Man are split. They both feel that they are completely right in their opinions and, and what they think the road forward should be. 
and eventually other Avengers follow one or the other and the film climax is in this horrible fight scene be all the Avengers fighting against each other. And the person who instigated this says to someone else, says, you know, I can't destroy things or we can't kill things from the outside, but we can from the inside if we get them to hate each other. Who has bewitched you? This is a problem for our society and I think even for our church. This is a question that we need to consider carefully before we ask. Because Paul would argue that in Christ we are free from the law. That is, we are freed from the way that the law constricts and restricts our understanding of the world so that we can see everything in a new way. So that we can see with the eyes of Jesus who saw everyone as created in the image of God everyone worthy of consideration and love. And so then Paul says, so there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. And you can add any other dichotomy that you can come up with that traditionally would create tension or hierarchy in groups of people, would create a, pers- a group that would say, well, I'm better than you because I'm right. But Paul says there is no such thing. Instead, there is this new way of being, a way that celebrates our differences, that learns from them, that doesn't ignore them or fear them, and then calls us to a way of grace as we walk with each other, even when we disagree with each other. Even if we disagree with each other passionately, Because in Christ, we are called back to a way of living that moves us towards a way where we care more for each other than being right. Where we dare to listen to each other to seek understanding. Where we dare to love as God has loved us. Dr. Martin Luther King called this the beloved community, a community dedicated to the way of nonviolence that is grounded in this very love that we hear Paul talking about. Not a utopia, the beloved community is not that, but it is a realistic vision of what the world could be if it is centered on love. Certainly not free from conflict because we are still human beings, but dedicated to the resolving of that conflict with reconciliation when two sides, two adversaries, cooperate with each other in the spirit of friendship and goodwill. It's a new life that we find in Jesus because of who Jesus was and is. It's seeing the world around us and the people next to us as beloved as much as we are beloved. So how do we live this out, especially today? Well, it requires grace, grace for ourselves and grace for others, and a willingness to have a soft and open heart. It means committing ourselves to the way of Jesus every single day, because this is hard work, friends. And it means not seeing each other as Republican or Democrat, as conservative or liberal, as rich or poor, as educated or uneducated. Because in Christ, there are no such things that divide us. 
but even I know that this is easier to say than to actually do. So I want us to practice. I want you to think of someone who makes you crazy, that you believe is wrong as much as you believe you are right, that you can't even imagine having a conversation with because it just won't go well. Someone that perhaps is on the opposite side of an issue than you are. And when you have that person in mind, I want you to take that pen and that piece of paper that I asked you to have, and I want you to write their name down. No one's going to see this but you. And I want you to write down underneath their name the reasons their name was the first that came to your head. And then the stereotypes that you believe about that person, the assumptions you carry about that person. So I'm going to give you an example as you're thinking. This one's a little silly. Um, but my sister, whom I love dearly, like I would do anything in the world for my sister, she drives me a little crazy sometimes with this one thing. Well, it's not only one thing. She's my baby sister, so she drives me crazy about a couple of things. But this thing, especially, I chose to lift up tonight. She will not drink water from a water bottle that has been left in the car for any period of time, no matter what the temperature is, because she believes that bacteria will grow in that water. I'm like, what are you talking about? We left it in there 15 minutes ago. Nope, not going to do it. It's crazy making. It, it makes me absolutely crazy. So I drink it, and then she's like, <gasps> right? Because that's what a sister will do. Because she's a little bit of a germaphobe. So that's me naming my sister something that makes me crazy and what I assume about her, but her being a germaphobe is actually true. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes because I imagine you already have someone in mind. I want you to write their name, why they make you crazy, and what you assume about that person because of that disagreement you have. So this gets us to the place of thinking about that person. And I'm sure you think about them more often because you bump up against them perhaps regularly. Now I want you to think of one question that you can ask them that would come from a place of grace and curiosity, not accusation or I'm right and you're wrong. So for example, let's take the example of my sister. I could say to her, instead of saying, I think you're crazy, which I often do, um, I could say, Tracy, I noticed that you're not drinking the water out of this bottle once it sat in the car. I'm really curious about what that's about. Can you tell me a little bit more about that so I can understand?
So I want you to think of one question that you can ask somebody that comes from a curious place and not a, I want to change your mind because you're wrong place. Does that make sense? I hope so. Here's what happens when we follow the way of Jesus and we get curious instead of accusatory or entrenched in our own beliefs. We start opening ourselves to the possibility that there's something different going on than our assumptions or stereotypes. And this is the most important part. We begin to see people as human beings just like us. There's a really good reason why my sister doesn't want to drink water that may have bacteria in it. It's because she had bacteria in her gut that kept her sick for like six weeks. So of course she's not going to do that. She's not going to take that risk. But when we begin to ask those questions, grounded in a place of love and grace, we begin to see a new way of being, a new life in Christ, a way forward that is grounded in love and grace, we begin to see as Jesus sees. And we begin to believe that there can be a place where all are welcome and where all walk together with grace and in love in Jesus as they make their way through life. Because all are welcome isn't easy. It means that we may be uncomfortable from time to time as we make room for others, as we perhaps are challenged in our thinking and our believing. But if we are grounded in the grace of God, we can make our way through together. And we can come out the other end more deeply following Jesus, more convinced of God's love for each and every one of us. And that, dear friends, is worth being bewitched by. It's worth all that this world can offer. If we can live in that love and that grace. So my challenge to you this week is to maybe sit down with that person you wrote down on your piece of paper and have a conversation that's filled with curiosity instead of animosity. Amen.